from John, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not have, let us not love with words or speech, but with accent and in truth. Braden Cummings, that's a good man right there. We uh, had a chance earlier today to hear from so many of our teenagers as they experienced God's love throughout this summer and as they experienced His power when they asked God to use them on a mission trip or when they asked God to move in their hearts because they were taking a risk and going to a camp. We're going to do a few things today. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 John or 11 John, whichever one you want to turn to today. First uh, John chapter 3, and uh, go ahead and just keep your finger in there. Before we get too far down the road, we're about to talk to our teachers and, uh, uh, and pray over them and bless them. But before we do that, uh, there's a couple websites I kind of want you to take a look at real quick. And as we do that, one of the things that our teenagers have been doing is we've been following Jimmy through the letter of First John. Now, at CurvilleChurch.com, you can find um, a podcast, or you could download the message and listen to it again, and you're going to want to do that as we end this uh, series of Lights Out. CurvilleChurch.com, you can download that, uh, a message carried in your phone, you can listen to it from your phone. I want to encourage you to do that. His, this has been a solid, solid series. I want to encourage you to check out the Lights Out series that you can find at CurvilleChurch.com. The second website I'd love for you to write down is KCYouthGroup.com, KCYouthGroup.com, and that website right there has an opportunity for you to download a journal. Now, the youth group uh, and their families have been given a journal so that we can read and daily chew on some of the letter of John. I want to encourage you to download that. It's free, um, and it has some, some experiences. You could just sit there and read and digest that. So I really want to encourage you to take a look at that and, uh, and enjoy that. In the meantime, here's what we want to do. If you are a teacher an administrator, an aide, a nurse that works in our school system. Uh, I've got some students who are ready with these yellow papers. Y'all go ahead and come on up here, the students. And I want teachers, I want to encourage you to move forward and come up here, join us up here, teachers, administrators. If you're working at a school, serving at a school, serve teachers, serve whoever. It is. No, 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 just down there, guys. Y'all come on up here, and you're going to just fill these aisles up here, and they're going to give you a piece of paper. Yeah, thank them. We've got some parents who are educating their kids at home, so if you're the main teacher at home, come on up here. Anybody who works in the school system, great point, John. If you're a school bus driver, if you are a cafeteria worker, you're impacting the lives of our students. I want to thank you for that. I've given you a piece of paper, or our students have given you a piece of paper, and it has the prayer of a man who had everything. It has a prayer of a man who had all the worldly 
um, possessions that he could want. But he couldn't find satisfaction in it. And he wanted to spend the rest of his life serving a greater good and teaching others and showing others the love of God. There's not a one of us in this room who can uh, not name at least one teacher who has made a lasting impact on our life. Not because of what they taught us about a particular subject, but because of what we saw in their life and because of the investment that they've made on us. Some of you have been made charge of a whole department. Some of you have been made in charge of a whole school. Some of y'all are in charge of one student. But God has placed you in a place where you can use this gift of service. We believe that God's Holy Spirit has equipped you by his power to use that gift. And this church wants to encourage you to use this opportunity, this gift to be a light. I'm going to go ahead and ask Donnie to come on up here. And as you're making your way up here, um, let's go to our first screen. Uh, let's go forward two screens. And I'm going to ask that our teachers would read uh, this uh, prayer together. There's two uh, slides to this. It's on your paper, but it's also on the screen if you need to turn around to see it bigger. Um, I understand. Let's read this together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. May be seated. I pray that you feel like you are encouraged by this church as you move forward. So teachers, administrators, school bus drivers, school nurses, aides, secretaries, counselors, I want you to find yourself in this video. I get teared up every time I see that video. Who are you in that video? As a teacher, as a coach, as an administrator, as a bus driver, as a nurse. Your students have come to you from all areas. And by their best efforts, they still come to you injured. Maybe you see yourself as the father. Derek's father who came out of the stands and people said, that's too much effort. Don't do it. It's going to cost you too much. Don't do it. And Derek's dad says, you don't understand. This is what I'm here for. This is the kid that God has put before me today. I am going to fulfill my calling. And you see yourself as the dad who comes out and who rescues someone who's injured. And people are talking to him on the side. You saw it and he shoes them away. I know that you're not getting paid for those hours. I know that justice over mercy is a constant battle that you face as you try to figure out how to deal with each student. But you bend your heart 
and you give the effort. Because God has put you in a position to teach, but most importantly, to love and to share his light. Thank you. God, God's Holy Spirit, not some great spirit out there, the Holy Spirit of the living God resides in your heart. And this church wants to encourage you. But if I'm completely honest, some of you saw yourselves as Derek. You limped to the finish line last year as the school year concluded. And you didn't know if you were going to make it. And you're wondering if this year is worth it at all. You don't know how long you're going to be able to hold out before that injury just stops you in your tracks. For some of you, it's something that's happened to you. For some of you, it's something that we don't know what yet it is. But what I want to encourage you in is to let us be Derek's dad. Church, we need to encourage them. We need to come alongside when it costs too much to encourage our teachers, to encourage our coaches, not to win another game. Yes, we enjoy watching them win another ball game. But to continue to be in the school, to be a light. As Donnie prayed, we need God in the school. Well, he's not coming to the school if we don't have people taking him there. And we need godly men and women who are showing teenagers who are trying to figure out the way of life. We need, to sh we need them to show the way. And when times are tough, here's the thing. That sounds wonderful if we become the father or the crowd. Actually, if you, if you look up that video, there's several versions of it. And a couple of them, you can hear the announcers, you can hear the crowd, and it's loud and it's cheering and it's even more emotional because you can feel the crowd cheering for him as he crosses. But some of y'all felt his tears even though you couldn't hear them or see them. If you are a teacher, if you are a coach, if you work in one of those positions that we've talked about, you have got to let us encourage you. You have got to be here with us. You've got to be a part of us so that we can know you and tell us when to pray for you. We believe that God has given you the gifts and opened the door for the opportunity that you're at. Let us encourage you. Let us encourage you and love you. So we want to say thank you. And we want to say go get them. And we want to say shine God's light. Thank you, teachers, for what you're doing. Thank you, administrators, for making one more set of copies. Thank you, secretaries, for staying the extra hour. Thank you, nurses, for being so good looking. And thank you, oh, sorry. Thank you. I pray that you see yourselves as an instrument of God's peace, as a light bulb for God's light. Let's pray. God, you are love. And in this video, you've revealed to us 
your steadfast belief in us, your steadfast love, our own brokenness, our own need for others. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us your love that is undeserved. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's been kind of a busy day. I see uh, we didn't know if anybody would be here this morning, but it looks like a lot of y'all have had cabin fever from uh, holding up from the storm. Let's go to our slide which shows the storm. We're going to take a couple minutes to pray as a body of believers. There are first responders out there. There are men and women who work for electrical companies uh, who are trying to get systems going again so that loved ones could be cared for at hospitals, so that children can have light in their homes. There are people who are driving trucks into the danger zone to be able to deliver food. You have loved ones represented in this room alone. We have loved ones who stayed down and hunkered down. Maybe South Houston, maybe Corpus Rock, Port Port A, or what used to be some of those places. Some of you have businesses in this area and have loved ones and cared for that you've cared for and helped. So we're actually going to spend just a, a little bit of time uh, praying for them this morning. And I'll see if we get to whatever a sermon is uh, in a second. But I think as a body of believers, as light bearers, uh, if we were going to follow the example of Christ, we're going to hurt with those who are hurting. And many of you have gathered every night with your families and prayed over these people. But we're going to do it as a church family right now. So I want to encourage you, if you can, some of you can take a knee, some of you can't, and that's fine. But I want to encourage us to take a knee and to beg on God's behalf for the people, not only those who are suffering, but those who are going in to rescue and to help. Uh, Some of you may be a teacher, and on your heart it may be, how are they going to do school? Pray for them. Some of you have a friend, pray for them. Some of you are first responders or have loved ones, pray for them. So I'm going to give us 30 to 60 seconds in silence just to lift up uh, whatever the Lord has placed on our hearts. Let's pray. Father, right now we come to you and we beg, Father. We beg on behalf of, of people who you're placing on our hearts, Father. Different sizes, different colors, different locations, different reasons. But we come united as a people of the light praying for your power to be alive. Praying for your light to shine through your people. Praying for the churches of that area that they would be beacons of light and hope and encouragement and of self-sacrifice. And open our hearts to wherever you're calling us in all that. Right now we pray together as one in silence, Father. How awesome it is to have a Father who hears our prayers. A living creator who is still involved, who still reaches his hand into our lives and saves those who are perishing. Father, may your mighty hand be at work protecting, saving loving those who are in need right now. Use us 
and use your people. We pray this in the name of our Savior, the name above all names, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's get them Bibles out. John 3.16 is where we're going to go to first. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, some would say. Some might say that Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is the most famous verse. But I want you to open it up because I want you to take a look at it. Because in the Gospel of John, who's, which is written by the same author as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he begins to, to unfold something. See, Nicodemus comes in the cloak of night. He comes secretly because he didn't want other people to see that he is seeking out this truth and wants to talk to this new, this new prophet, this new teacher. And so he goes and he begins to talk to Jesus. And Jesus starts to talk to him about what a new beginning looks like. What it means to, to leave one way of life behind and begin a new life. He talks about baptism. He talks about you must be born again of water and of spirit. No man can start a new life without being born again. And it was awesome to celebrate. Go ahead and stand up if you're one of our teenagers that got baptized this summer. Go ahead and stand up if you're one of our teenagers who did that. Isn't that awesome? Let's, think, let's tell them how proud we are of them. We got one back here too. We had seven teenagers who gave their life to Christ this summer. It was an incredible experience. And uh, some of y'all got to hear the gospel stories that they told about how God transformed their hearts this summer. Back to John. It's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. And one of the things that it talks about is a birth, a beginning. And it wants to make sure that we understand that there is a relationship that begins and Jesus lays that out in John 3.16. And if it's not underlined in your Bible, go ahead and underline it. But the rest of you, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus says, you know what? There is a God who is more powerful than anything in this universe, and he can bring you to a new life. And not only that, he's not just some powerful guy that you need to be scared of. He so loved the world. He so cared for. He is so connected with you at heart and pursuing you that he decides the only way to communicate with you and to show you that love and to make it possible is for him to die so that we can have life. And one of the things that that describes to us is a vertical relationship. And we have a slide there for that. It, it describes that, you know what, if we are going to be connected to God, everybody say John 3.16, is an important part of us being connected. It's, it happens in the middle of a conversation of starting a new life in Christ. Many of you have taken that life on. And it's great. And we want to have what began in the 70s, uh, 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 a phrase called a personal relationship with Jesus. That phrase, you don't, you don't find it very often before that time. But it became a popular saying about you are connecting with God. You're not just doing it because everybody else is doing it, but you are connected with God. But everybody say 1 John 3.16. That's where Braden opened up. Uh, reading for us. So go ahead and open up to 1 John 3.16 because John 
has another message. And it's, it's kind of crazy that this would be on the same number. But we got to realize that there is no Bible code. There are no numbers. Um, they were just trying to find a way to code the Bible so that you could find a verse again. But it just so happens that 1 John 3.16 also talks about God's love. See, in chapter 4, we learn that God is love. That is his essence, that God is love. But this is where things get to be a little uncomfortable. As you look in your Bible, it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We know that. That is awesome. That is an incredible vertical experience. And some of you are saying, yes, I've taken that on, and I believe that, and I want to live that out. And that's wonderful. But it also carries through. As John 3.16 finishes out, it says this. And we ought to lay down our lives for who? Our brothers and sisters. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's great. We have a vertical relationship. There is a God who is pursuing us and who loves us. But he says there's another element. And it is a horizontal relationship. And in that horizontal relationship, we now extend that love to other people around us. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother who is in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, says verse 18, but with actions and in truth. As we put those two illustrations together, we realize that God's love has called us to him. God's love has saved us. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I wanted to bring this up today. There's two reasons. One, I'm going to get this out of the way. Jimmy and I have been te uh, speaking about having a men's mission trip this, um, this fall, and we want to do that. But one of the things that we are going to do is we were going to go to the Rio Grande Valley and continue to work on the foundation which our teenagers built this summer. Right now, there's a couple places, especially uh, the Churches of Christ Disaster Relief Team, uh, that is putting together resources, and we're looking to put together a group of men and women who within the next month to six weeks will go in and share God's love. Might be cutting down trees, might be hugging people, might be caring for people, might be passing out waters. But I want you to be praying about that opportunity. As we pray, God, please help them. Let's be ready to share that. We don't have a date for that yet, but have that on your radar. As I finish out today, my main goal today was to tell you a little bit about how we can become this to our church family. And I'm going to go quickly through this. But you, as a parent, me, 
as a parent, us as a church, need to be committed to spiritual growth. See, I work with teenagers. And teenagers don't care very much for words, but they will listen to actions and truth. And if our commitment to our spirituality is simply on Sundays, get up and go to church, or, well, I guess we slept too late, we're not going to go, or this coach has called an extra meeting, or that teacher has a study group. And if, if the only time that God is the priority is when nothing else is happening, that's not a priority. That's not a commitment. And in order for us to have that relationship like we saw in the video, we have to be connected. And we have to commit to spiritual growth within our own family. Committing to activities and rhythms that help us grow spiritually. And for you being here on Wednesday nights might not be possible because you live too far away or this or that or this trip doesn't work for your teenager to go to because you've got this. I understand that and this isn't that everybody needs to be at everything, but I want you to hear the heart of what I'm saying. Commit to spiritual growth to your family. It is the most important commitment you will ever make as a parent. Worship gatherings. Here's a big one. Community groups. Let people get to know you. We have parent huddles where we learn about parenting issues. Youth group gatherings are important parts of our church growth plan. In fact, on September 10th, we're heading out to Medina to celebrate uh, at a party called The Summer is Dead. And so that'll be really exciting. I'm sure that'll be... So mark that, September 10th, Summer is Dead for the youth group, and we're going to need drivers for that. The, third, the last thing is this, connect to one another. First one was commit to spiritual growth. The second was connect to one another. Our families need to be connected to other families of the light. Being connected to the families that are on your volleyball team is important because you need to know who your kid is hanging out with. But be connected to people of the light. And we are committed here to raising children of the light. That's why we gave them Bibles. So that we can read them together as a family. Hosting devotionals is a great way to get to know people. Our teens need to be connected to adults of the light who want to help them grow in the light. And we've got opportunities and we've got needs in discipleship groups that meet on Wednesday nights, going on retreats, driving vans like Doug and Mark did, um, or in Ginger. We need committed adults. Significant and steady spiritual growth does not happen in our culture outside of relationships. Reagan Land, who's the spiritual director at um, Medina Children's Home, and I have been blessed to have the ministry positions that we are. But our calling is to minister to the adults who are in relationships with our students. Our experiences at camp, mission trips, Wednesday night discipleship groups, evenings we spend in worship are all experiences where teens need some more seasoned followers of Jesus, loving them and guiding them. My charge is this. Yes, let's do incredible things at schools. We need you there. As our group gathers, we need disciple makers for the kids who are coming. Some of y'all do an incredible job in the children's ministry. And the teenagers 
needed as well. Imagine meeting a children's home with no house parents. Don't, no clapping. Kobe, where you at? No clapping. It'd be a mess. You think Troy's crazy now, okay? Imagine what that would look like. But that's the way our youth group is. Be praying that the Lord of the harvest will raise up workers. And come join us as we grow spiritually together. We're going to sing two songs. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it out from the impending storm. Is it going to rain? Is it going to storm? Is it Whatever. But we gathered this morning as people of the light. We've blessed our kindergarten families and say that is the most important book they could read this year. We've gathered our teachers and said, you are the people of the light in the darkness. Help us encourage you. And today I tell you, pursue that vertical relationship. But it can only happen if we then begin to turn our lives into sacrificial lives for the benefit of others that they would see Jesus through us. Maybe for you that calling is to work with teenagers. Maybe for you that calling is to be a CPA who loves and who has ethics and who guides his company. Maybe it's being an incredible mom in the midst of hard circumstances. Let's be people of the light. Father, we lift up these praises to you as we celebrate your love and accept our offerings this morning as we come to you as uh, people of the light, praying for brothers and sisters and those who are in the storms, blessing those who are together today, our teachers and our children. Accept our worship to you, Father, today. In the name of Jesus, amen.